Welcome to Barbell Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Brent Ruska, personal trainer, yogi, and Muay Thai enthusiast. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock strength and vitality in your life. George, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And you are the owner of this incredible space, this multi-holistic wellness personal training studio land mm-hmm. the tiger atx wellness campus seems <laughs> I, I enjoy the wellness campus words for some reason i like it too mm-hmm. how did you come into this like what is origin stories Woo! <laughs> i mean it, it goes it's inevitable um i actually knew the guy that owned it before okay um he and i worked at dell way way back in like late late 90s early 2000s we're both in sales, doing the regular life thing, and uh, and then like I'd stayed in touch with him for a little while. He he was a bodybuilder too, by the way, and um, he actually won like first place at some point. I took pictures of him then, and and then we lost touch for another ten years. And then I saw him in a local magazine, and uh, he opened this place. So I was like, hey, let me take pictures for you. And so I came and visited it and took pics and. Um, this is where I met my yoga teacher that changed my life. This is where I, um, met my judo and jujitsu coach. They were both employees here. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, the yoga teacher still works here, Ashley, or I guess she's kind of moved off cause she's finally got a house that she's been looking for for a while with her lovely husband. But, um, yeah. So I took pictures of this place, kind of stayed in touch with it clearly with yoga and jujitsu and judo and, um, it just kind of came up one day during a, one of my private yoga cl- lessons. Like, hey, this place might be for sale. <laughs> and I started thinking about numbers and stuff and ended up buying it from good old Hank and converted it from Oak Hill Fitness down to oh, to uh, Tiger ATX. My brother and I bought this place a long, long time ago. Four, four, Actually, four years ago this month. Oh, wow. Within days, actually. Of, of I think it was October 16th is when we signed the pictures or whatnot, or the pages or whatnot. Okay, so it was a fitness place before as well. Mm -hmm. The house was a personal house. Okay. And looked completely different. I'd love to show you the pictures I just found because I sent them to Amanda and Jonathan just the other day of what their spots used to look like. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it's it's, it's a night and day thing. And then the gym really is a night and day thing too. Like, um, But yes, it was a uh, uh, gym specifically. And then the little building, Jonathan's building, was like a dojo for a little while. That's where I learned to throw and and grapple, man. Like I did some catch wrestling in there too, and uh, they had all those padded uh, our wrestling mat in the gym. The twelve by twelve used to be in the in the small building and on the walls and everything. It was crazy. Yeah, that's wild. So to- totally different. And then, so what was the beginning process? You bought the place, and then how did you start changing it? Um, well, we immediately stopped the old model. The old model was, um, lots of members and then some classes or whatever, but the numbers really weren't working out. So, um, we kind of devised this, the, what it is now, you know, the per use basis thing for professional trainers and, um, always had a vision for some sort of extra people in this place like I, I always wanted to use it for photography but there was still extra rooms and and um 
you know, I knew that there's got to be a massage therapist or a physical therapist or something. I always wanted a taco truck, and that's clearly coming to fruition finally. Yeah, you just you just got that, right? Yeah, we've, I partnered with a, a friend of mine who I've known forever, Josie, and we're op- opening up a La Fantabulos tacos and in the morning, hopefully, for coffee and breakfast tacos. All right. Um, hopefully, she's uh, doing it uh, pretty soon by the end of the month. I, I keep looking out the window because I know that they're doing some electrical work out there, so I'm sure that someone's going to drive by or maybe walk by. But, yeah. Uh, what was the gym like? So the gym... I mean, it's got a bunch of squat racks in there now. It's got a bunch of cool pieces of equipment. Um, it was more like a membership gym, you're saying? a membership gym. They had, like, these small, like, maybe hit classes, I guess you might want to call it. Okay. And um, it was a little more closed in, so we actually opened it up a little. We added flooring. We added uh, the extra ski – or, sorry, the extra – rowing machine because there's a one already we added the ski erg we added the treadmill added the uh excessive bands or you know how many pairs of boxing gloves do we need in there type of thing so a little thing i wanted to talk to you about at some point i just it just had the brain fart this weekend so i was like who would be good at that you know who's got a lot of experience like a brent yeah i would totally i would be down to do that it's kind of neat it's like designing a gym in his own way or just refining it you know like i kind of at this point if uh if this house turns into a full cairo house if you might have heard rumblings about that or not yeah um and i lose my photo studio then i'm probably gonna put like a photo studio or put some of my gear in permanently in there and in the gym and maybe maybe we never i mean we had a, a limit of six at some point at the gym before covid and now we're back you know, I was down to two, and then we're kind of back at four right now. I don't, I don't. I wonder if we ever need to go more than four. So just that real boutique. You're the guy that uses the word boutique as much as I do, or more than I do, and I appreciate that word in regards to a gym. It sounds cool. No, I I do too. It, that's such a cool combination too, to have photos and gym in one. Yeah, it makes total sense. It kind of does, right? And that's my one of my specialty niches is fitness photography i've been doing it for so long i'm actually kind of tired of it we talked about that um (laughs) but um yeah and i use that that big old window for a lot of headshots and portraits like that big natural light you know and so i'm kind of excited about moving a bunch of stuff in there i'm gonna miss my hardwood floors and stuff but not at the expense of i believe a a fancy decompression table of some sort might go in there. I've never been on one, but I've seen pictures and it looks really interesting and that might go in that white room or whatnot. So what is that where you hang upside down or what is that? Um, it looks like it's a, a horizontal table with some fancy computer screen or two. And then I think it might actually stretch you, you know, maybe you're getting drawn and quartered as the old <laughs> fancy. <laughs> I don't think people fully grasp what that meant, you know, back in medieval times, what drawn and quartered means. and ugh, That'll stretch your spine though, for sure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's wild. Mm. Well, what is your personal story with fitness? So like why even have a space that's fitness related. So what's your journey with fitness? Hmm. Um, as a kid, I was pretty athletic, uh, pretty competent in all the little sports. I was just above average and everything, you know, like 
I did win the football toss in fifth grade, just for the record. No big deal. Hey. Um, but uh, I was a big cyclist. My dad and I would cycle a lot, and I was like a mountain biker in my teens and went to like the Texas State Championships, and and uh, I would do long, like, charity rides, like the MS-150, if they have that from in Seattle, or I don't know if they do, but um, a lot of... A lot of stuff like that. Cycling. It was a real solo sport. So my my cycle is strong. My, my balance is pretty strong from cycling. And um, didn't play a lot of organized team sports or anything. Um, it's always pretty skinny in the long run. Um, I was supposed to go in the military maybe when I was uh, younger, but that didn't happen. So I graduated college and started working at Dell a long time ago. And, um, luckily I had these two cool, like 30 year old bro friends and not a bunch of idiotic 20 something year old friends. And we just would go to golds and they actually got me into like weightlifting and I gained like 15, 20 pounds of muscle, like from college to like year one after college. So that was nice. Um, we were big barefoot water skiers, that little group and like wakeboarders. Cool. Um, Never any major, like, thing. Cycling was still a thing. I did some triathlons. Just a big trier of things in the long run. And then somewhere in my 30s, mid-30s or whatever, that's when I met Ashley here um, for yoga. And her and I spent a solid year together, like, doing private yoga instruction. I, I, I wasn't just another guy in the back of the class, you know. It was truly one-on-one and... I got pretty good and pretty flexible and limber for a 30 something year old man. And I regained a lot of vitality through flexibility. Like I, I feel like flexibility is a huge, I mean, we call it mobility now in boring terms, but I mean, flexibility is what that means. I think. Um, and I discovered all this renewed flexibility and some strength and whatnot. And then I immediately transferred that into martial arts and did I've done 11 different martial arts in the last four or five years and at least a month as was my goal it was like I wanted to do 12 in one year so I was doing a month by month and judo jiu-jitsu karate boxing taekwondo tai chi kung fu was at the same school um catch wrestling like I mentioned Aikido, I did like a three months at ACC. I've done ballet since then. And I just became this like movement guy. And uh, it felt amazing. I feel, you know, basically uh, invincible for definitely there in the mid to late 30s. Um, and I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Now I just, you know, I, I walk barefoot on my treadmill at home. I'm a big advocate of like natural movement and rolling on the floor like I, I i'm a yoga teacher like i think you are as well you mentioned and you know like i don't do that much asana as much as i do all the other steps of it you know like to me the yamas and niyamas are more important and meditating the ultimate goal of all of yoga anyway meditation and samadhi and reaching eternal bliss or hyper concentration that became more important to me than trying to learn how to do a handstand for instagram type of thing so I think that's a long journey. Is that, I think it covers most of everything till here. That's awesome. So you just like trying many different things and moving your body. Yeah. In general, like I 
raise chickens without any help mainly you know i learned guitar by myself back when i was a kid like anything that can be self-taught everything i guess might be self-taught i mean there's kids in india and africa that pick up a book about physics and then just read it and become amazing you know there's stories like that so i feel like we can all <laughs> we can all try a little harder and failing having a little imagination failing and trying again you know and maybe i just uh luckily i have some resilience within my my childhood or who knows what to to get me into those things do you have any uh fitness focuses at the moment like things you're into now so you tried all those different martial arts and different activities what what's kind of caught your interest that you're dabbling in now or might potentially start to dabble in hmm that's the thing i think a lot of people have this perception of a gym owner and you know i'm kind of jacked or uh, except for my little belly potentially like um i just want to walk i want to i mean photography is like workout for me like there's a reason i have a weight vest at home and i walk barefoot because photography is carrying 10 to 20 pounds of gear for an eight-hour wedding and standing the entire time even when you're eating shoveling food in your mouth real quick while everyone else is doing uh you know <laughs> they're eating or the the cocktail hour or something like photography staying fit for photography is important to me and that's almost like a premise that i have if if because i was a desk job for 16 years basically between college and owning a gym and if i knew now what i did if i knew then what i do now um i i would have been training for sitting on my ass all day um now I know that I should have been stretching my hips more and working my core more, um, thinking about thoracic opening more from these keyboard tightness, whatnot, you know, like I train for my job. Luckily today, I w- wish I trained for my sitting on my ass job a little bit more. And cause it, it caught up with me. It really did sitting on my butt for since I was 21 till 35 or so was was not good like stand-up desks weren't invented 15 years ago you know it was only maybe five years ago or so that became prevalent and that a company would actually pay for it for you to do it or whatnot you know so um my my current goal is to to look good to uh i joke about it to to make love that's an important thing for me and i think all animals if we're honest to be good at that would be uh, important to me and there you go very little else quite honestly i don't care man i'm not trying to set a pr right now like i have i, I watch a bunch of other people do all those things and they don't look that happy quite honestly yeah some of those things can uh, you have to kind of know yourself uh i'm one of those people where i have to be very cautious uh, what i let my attention grasp because i'll start to get too focused on like whatever the sport may be and then it starts to unbalance the rest of my life mm-hmm. and some people can handle that uh but mm-hmm. i think there's more to life than those things for me personally mm-hmm. uh so you're talking about how you're a little bit tired of fitness photography tell <laughs> me kind of why and then do you want to keep doing photography and where do you want to wh- what who do you want to be shooting hmm well my website's mrphotographer.com. There's mr-photographer.com, and I've had that for 15 years, and oh, cool. I, I joke about never letting it go. And it's it's very vague on purpose because I truly enjoy shooting 
all types of things. All these photos in this room are mine. Oh, wow. Like travel. Um, there's like macro chicken feathers. Those blue things are rooster feathers. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, I'm never uh, devoid of a model because I, I'll take my macro lens and go in my own backyard and shoot roses and insects and spiders or whatever all day long. So the fitness photography thing is um it's something i've talked to a couple other fitness photographers before and they're even more prolific than i am in a national international sense and um it just gets sad you and i have like i had a light conversation on this but um you're as an artist as i like to remind people that what photographers are they're artists like they hopefully or they i hope that they are striving for a certain amount of art um and as an artist, I'm taking a picture of this fit person who has spent weeks and weeks um, honing their craft. And I'm thinking right now mainly of bodybuilders, sadly. Uh, there's more than just bodybuilders. Physique athletes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, that's their thing. That's their video game, as Kiki calls it. Like, like that's their focused thing. That's what they really want to be doing and get good at. And um, I take these pictures... And I see them as beautiful pictures and I show them these beautiful pictures of them being beautiful and amazing. And as a photographer, I might be focused on the fact that their eyes are open, <laughs> that they're smiling, that their pose is pretty good and it's showing this or that. But as a potentially a physique competitor, a bodybuilder of some sort, most people seem to gravitate directly to their weakness or their pain point or their part they'd like the least of themselves like oh you know this perfect photo the background's great there's not a garbage can in the background or or a random person it's just all about them and all they can see is like a little skin fold or uh, that their foot's in it and they don't like their toes or something I'm like that and they, I'm like that's what you're looking at on, on this entirety of of this photo you're looking at that one percent of things and you know this is like a very silly conversation perhaps for lots but this is all i've been doing for 15 years in terms i mean i've been shooting fitness for a long time i happen to know fitness people at dell when i started photography and i just was taking photos of them even so um it's uh it just wears on you i guess like i'm a huge positive like words person self-affirmation person self-love person i wasn't always that person but i am now and um when you're around people that are self-deprecating it it wears on you and um i think a lot of people don't grasp that if they and all their friends are self-deprecating and they all allow each other to be doing that they're kind of digging this sad mutual whole that becomes their community is like maybe there's a lot of building and lifting up of things but maybe there's also a lot of tearing each other down or allowing themselves to tear each other down and that's just not my jam man like that's not what in my tribe or my squad so um you know it's it's been uh it's always been clear it just sometimes i get tired of it that's all it's uh you just caught me on a on a burnt out section of it all i figure i've i've experienced that training people for so long you get to a place where you know you just 
any any little bit of it just kind of puts a weird taste in your mouth and mm-hmm. and you know it it just takes you know sometimes just taking a step away for a little bit or working with different people or whatnot and hmm. or training or shooting different kinds of people do you have so you're down to shoot anything basically so you don't really have a desire for anything new yeah i'm, or, not, I'm not replacing anything i've shot everything i've i like there's some common things that uh i've heard or um or i say pretty often so you're down to shoot anything yeah like again mrphotographer.com um i've been doing it for so long like I, i've shot porta potties <laughs> and uh weird erotic fetish stuff and pet portraits of dying pets so people can have a last picture and landscape and macro you know yada 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 like like I, I actually my one of my bread and butters is event photography, and I'm missing out on that right now this whole year, and it's been tough, you know, money wise, and it's almost like a a time when I go socialize too. It's like when I have my big camera and I'm like the guy at the, the event, and it's fun for me. But yeah, I'm, if I were to uh, pull back from fitness, for example, um, I wouldn't be missing out on anything. I just would shoot more portraits or anything it doesn't matter so you've done travel photography mm-hmm. do you have a spot you're dying to go Mm-mm. that's like a funny thing about me too like i am this weird blessed fellow that i mean i have two passports my i'm very uh internationally diverse by blood and language and experience and i've got all my grandparents none of them were born in america um I was raised with a few languages. I did a lot of traveling to see those grandparents when I was a kid and all the way until most recently, like, you know, a lot of Mexico travel, but those were all paid gigs. Like I'm traveled out, man. Like I traveled in 2015. It was like a huge year for me where I did like India and Southeast Asia a couple of times in the same year, plus a few Europe trips. And I don't know if that was my Australia year as well. And just, it, it burned me out on travel. I always knew travel was gross and scary and I've seen some things like you have and I'm good, man. Like (laughs) maybe that's weird for people, but I'm solid. Like the only times I, I get weird about travel is when I start looking at other people doing it and then coveting that, you know, and that's the same thing with, with photography. I try not to look at too many other people, photographers, web pages. I don't try to listen to that much music when I'm writing music because I don't, I want my my voice to be pure and like the only time I miss travel is when other people start talking about it and it's like eh, even then I'm okay I'm not missing it man I really am not I love my house I love my I love my gym I love my people here you know my squad's here like I'm not running away from anything anymore I kind of feel the same thing uh after traveling quite a bit it's just it's, it doesn't. I just didn't have that same pull when you're younger. Mm-hmm. I got to go explore and check out all these places. And once you've done it, you're like, kind of feels nice to just feel like this is home and just be mm-hmm. and just yeah, have your people, have your places, and just feel good. Yeah, I always wondered what that was like. You see those old people in movies. They're like, ah, just you know, chilling on their farm or whatever. And mm-hmm. you're like, they don't want to go and do anything. <laughs> like, I totally get it. <laughs> 
Uh, I could just sit on a porch, mm-hmm. <laughs> just hang out, drink tea, whatever. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how long I can be like this or whatnot, but right, this is like a phase. I think all things are phases in our lives, and you might agree with that too. Like This is just definitely like this, I wouldn't call it a nesting phase, but just like a um, an enjoyment phase. And people forget to enjoy all the shit they worked so hard for. Like. I call it usually like a surfing metaphor. It's like it, you took so long to figure out how to get up on the board ride for a sec, dog. Like, chill out. Like, enjoy the freaking flow. Like, people forget. But that's, you know, that's the the crux of our society is trying to, what's next? What's more? You know, what's your five-year plan? What's your one-year plan? Yada, yada, yada. I, I love those questions because I shut them down quick. Like, and and not not necessarily to be confrontational. Uh, I I almost just like to remind people that there's more than one way. That's all. That's all I want to remind people. There's more than one way. Yours isn't the only. I'm not even talking about right or wrong right now. Just more than one. You know, like true deep deep yoga stuff. If you want to get into it, you know. Like you were saying, you don't have a five year plan. I think you you asked me, me that recently. You, you've yeah. told me that. Before. I think twice <laughs> and I like I like it because I resonate with it mm-hmm. it's like any I there's one I hate that question <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't want it I don't how can I even plan I feel like it pigeonholes you yeah. immediately yeah and then you get too in, it's the same thing with like getting too into a sport mm-hmm. right or like you know uh, working towards too specific of like i'm gonna do all these races or whatnot i don't know it closes you down to opportunities like going hiking on the weekend with your friends or going to doing this thing and this thing because you're like i gotta train i gotta do this or now i have this five-year goal so i can't do these things and blah 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 it's like have you ever read the book surrender experiment Mm-mm. so there's a guy who wrote uh untethered soul that was his first book it's basically like kind of yogic philosophy but it's like uh it's about the ego and um, just kind of observing yourself. But his second book is a, basically his story. And he was actually the guy who created uh, the computer systems for all the uh, hospitals they currently use, I think, uh, for tracking all the insurance and whatnot. Mm. But he got super into like Yogananda and he was a like a professor at a college and he taught like engineering or something wild. And he just, once he got into yoga... All he wanted to do was that in addition. So he built like this ashram in the woods and every morning before he went to school, he would go do it. And his, his mod, his basically life philosophy was I just surrender to whatever comes and I just do it. Mm-hmm. And then you follow his story of where it led him, uh, in his life and how he continued to apply that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's the opposite of having a five-year plan. It's like, just show up and be present and life kind of just guides you where it needs to because you really you have control but you also kind of don't have control Mm -hmm. i was like your podcast theory just now you talked to me about and it's also like training for you and like um professional photography for me like we learn our skills we acquire our tools and then we start taking gigs and you literally never know what you're going to get like with a wedding you don't know if it's going to rain that day or not you don't know if you're going to get sunny or cloudy um, you don't know if you can get a bridezilla or an amazing person. Um, and you've got to do it. it. It's part about a part of being a professional is surrendering. It, I mean, if you want to get into it, there's some sticky notes, right? Sticky notes right there, man. Like, um, 
like my contention just now I was thinking about it was like, do, does a person that hasn't done anything for five years even get to ask you that question? Like when's the last person, you know, done anything for five years in a row? Like I worked at Dell for six years and I worked at VMware for 10. Like I was a lo- I was the old timer both times, you know, like most people in IT are bang, 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 you know, trying to get new, new, more pay or the stock options or a pre IPO company or yada, yada, yada. Like sticky notes to myself, for example, my, my online project for philosophy is, is six years running and it's every day I'm writing the lesson of the day that I learned that day. Like, and then I'm like shocked and proud of myself sometimes. It's like, when's the last time anyone did anything every day for five years? That's uh, amazing. What is that project? It, it just kind of came to me one day. It was like a, cause I see you post them on Instagram and I'm like, what, what, what are these by the way? Yeah. <laughs> It's like the life lesson of the day. Like, um, like it started, I, I think six years ago. I don't know what 2300 days is. I mean, we can ask Alexa or Siri or whatever. Um, but it's a, it's a long time. And I remember the first one, all it said was just, I was just kind of grumpy, uh, having a disagreement with somebody. And I just wrote down, not everything has to be about something. And that's kind of, this is pre yoga and stuff too, really. And, um, I just kind of kept doing them. Like, what did I learn today? Um, and, uh, it allows me to edit my thoughts and it's become, came like a living journal kind of like I would joke with my grandma. Like, if you want to read my diary, just go look at my sticky notes in the long run. Um, and I was talking about it today. Like the fact that it's on a sticky note forces me to edit my thoughts so I have to think about what the lesson of it was and then of the day was, and then I have to bring it down to something that will fit on a tiny little sticky note. And it's, it's such a fun exercise for me. And just like, you know, they, they talk about in the yogic world and meditation and whatnot. Like once you kind of get down to that Samadhi level of being fully disconnected from your thoughts and your body, you connect to the universe, you connect to the one ultimate reality or whatnot. And there's, um, Raja yoga that talks about like how we are all gods. And that is our connection to the one superpower. And it just, maybe that's like, uh, like the little voice in my head type of thing is it trying to help tell me what to pull out of this. It, to me, it's also very, I didn't even know who Marcus Aurelius was when I started it and stoicism or anything but then you know he has his meditations book and same same basically yeah if i look at it and i was like holy cow like me and marcus man we just doing this <laughs> trying to like like figure out our republic and help the people in it you yeah. know and sticky notes to myself trying to remove the telling nature of of pointing fingers at people and it's like these are things that i need to work on I need to work on attachment or communication or love without boundaries um, or uh, elevation and enlightenment or releasing and surrendering. Like these are like common themes that I see in myself that I continually get to write down and, you know, post it. So it's been fun. It's a cool exercise because, you know, if you think about it, you're just like, okay, what is a thought? And you put the thought out there and then now it's outside your head and you kind of get to look at it and you're like, whoa what's going on in here (laughs) or what does that mean or i mean it can tell you so much Mm -hmm. or you can reflect on it in so many it's like a meditation in itself to just 
ponder upon it. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, it happened literally just now. Like if if I was had sticky notes or my phone in front of me, I would have said something about um, the surrendering part of being a professional. And then I'd go home and I'd start trying to figure out how to make that sound cool. And then I would also check for the logic of it. Is this infallible? Like I try to make most of them, if not all of them, I try to make all of them infallible. And um, I love talking to people about whether or not what they think about it. And I, it's a tiny thing. I don't do, I don't buy um, followers and I don't really do hashtags anymore. It just frustrates me more than anything. And so, I mean, we, I have a couple thousand followers in six years and you can see how pure it was in that, in just in that number, you know, but I've got like a lady that's from South Africa that follows me for like the last five, six years. And every once in a while I'll get, Oh, I really needed that today. You know, it's those I really needed those (laughs) or this really resonated with me today. Like, that's why I continue to do it. I mean, for them and for myself, because guess what? They all resonate with me that day, you know, (laughs) every single one. So, um, and I've been thinking about that professional stuff recently and surrender is a neat part of it. And, you know, and a large, large part of being a professional also is, is trusting yourself, like truly, um, knowing that you are skilled and experienced and have the tools and yada, yada, and you got to just trust yourself. There's a lot of professionals, quote, quote, out there that have a lot of insecurity. And to me, that's just a sign that they're perhaps not ready to consider themselves a professional quite yet. I agree with you. Yeah. And it just takes time to get there. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Time and or experience. Like, I know one girl that is doing like um, life coaching and... Um, I forget what else she calls it. Oh. Um, um, but uh, hers, it sounds like she, like for the last year or so, she's just been throwing herself into the fire every day and just really working through some stuff. So it doesn't always have to be time is my only point. Like some of the coolest people in my life are like models that I've taken photos of and then we become friends and a lot of them are in their 20s and I'm you know 42 and it's like gosh how are you so smart at this young and it ends up a lot of it ends up being you know the trauma and the drama that they've experienced uh, it's just more than my, mine and and they've learned how to process faster than I have and gosh it's neat to listen to a young person understand surrendering for example or whatever you know well before I did and I was like gosh what was I so distracted with in my, my <laughs> 20s and 30s you know yeah, I agree with that. Ugh. Meeting people and you're like, damn, you're you're pretty far along. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's like we just got up on the same journey and, you know, you did it in 15 years less than I did. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, what what kind of stuff you got going on now? Um, You know, just trying to keep this place up and running. We're hoping... It looks like in 2021, we might have the entire house be more of a Cairo and recovery place. We got those Normatec boots recently. Um, Dr. Massey talks about the sauna potentially. Exciting. An extra Cairo. Um, Jonathan has uh, not only himself as a just world-class physical therapist, but he's also hired a new one, um, uh, Kendall, uh, another physical therapist. And uh, she's an expert in not only physical therapy, but pelvic floor stuff, I think, apparently. 
Um, Which is great because that that's a problem I've had uh, clients experience who have a very hard time finding help for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to her on mine and maybe your podcast too, but yeah, um, she seems amazing. Uh, pelvic floor stuff's really interesting. Just, I think it's a lot of core issues and the sitting, the sitting, sitting basically is ruining humans. Um, and, uh, well, also I, I had one client, she developed problems through bracing improperly mm-hmm. when she was deadlifting or lifting and so she had to learn how to she wasn't pulling her pelvic floor up as she was creating the brace so she had to kind of retrain herself in the way she braced yeah she can and so you know uh what can happen i guess is women will get leakage basically when they're bracing improperly because they're kind of pushing down on their pelvic floor instead of holding it tight mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait to talk to her honestly and she's talked about how uh, discon—I don't know—that's not her word, but I'll say it disconnected. I am with my pelvic floor as a man, and how it technically is related to all sorts of things, including potentially erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. She was she was saying that her work is as effective as a pill. Basically, I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. And she talks about electrodes that you might connect to your rectum and all sorts of interesting stuff. So I was like, wow, um, damn, yeah. I feel like yoga does a good job of helping you reconnect to that a lot of the times. The Mula Bandha and the Udyabandha, Udyabandha, uh, those different locks, I really feel like they were talking about pulling that lock into place. Mm-hmm. And they talk about athletes who are very good like like ballet or football players, anything with like a lot of agility and kind of finesse through movement mm-hmm. requires that kind of connection because it allows all the different limbs to move connected in wild different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm down to learn more too. Right. Yeah. Yoga. We t- kind of learned that that pelvic floor and I hate if I'm just saying all this wrong and Dr. Kendall's like, well, yeah, we may are- just be talking out of our asses. <laughs> Which is with a lot of yoga Yeah, we know <laughs> we're fucking pelvic floor experts over here. I'm a yogi. Um, <laughs> But uh, the fact that it's a an extra diaphragm, effectively, you got your big lung diaphragm, which initiates part of the first part of your breath to fill up your top part of your lungs. But the pelvic floor is that second diaphragm that helps pull all the other muscles to uh, get the bottom part of your breath, and then like it's the uh, on the exhale, it's the initiation of that belly button to spine that starts the exhale then middle chest and then upper chest and just like learning how to breathe again was a huge thing for me in yoga and learning how to sit learning how to stand and alignment of spine and all sorts of stuff i was really glad that my yoga teachers were 40 to 50 year old women that were just super experts in in body alignment and not some sort of like you gotta dive into your swan and like that full neck extension you see when in on Instagram a lot and just stuff like that where I just I can just feel it hurting my neck right then you know when <laughs> I see some pictures I mean some people are hypermobile that's great but hypermobility is dangerous in its own self so I don't know um you asked about here you know I hope to get that taco truck open soon uh the gym I just hope the gym just plugs along and does its thing in the long run um it's all it's there for is is for people to go do the things you know we have in my opinion the kind of a 
the perfect amount of equipment to to do pretty much anything and then if you need if you really want a 100 pound dumbbell i'm just not the gym for you you know there's there's powerlifting gyms for that or you know if you need 600 pounds of <laughs> weight to lift up or something I'm, I'm not the gym for you and i'm okay with that yeah it's a perfect setup you don't you don't need much more boutique yeah boutique experience hoorah yeah hoorah uh i had another question let me think what what, what was i gonna ask you mm. Um, uh, need some sticky notes. Yeah, uh, I just was. I was just. I was just too present with you, <laughs> and then I was good. like, "Oh, there we go." That's a good sign. That's yeah. how you know. That's awesome. Tell me about this food truck. Mm. How do you know this gal? And yeah, she was a. Um, I've known her for over a decade, Josie. Um, she was actually a chef at Eddie V's, which is a big old steakhouse um, down here, and then. Uh, there's a bar restaurant on West six called J blacks. And that's where I had met her. Um, and that food was amazing. And, um, currently if you ever want to just try her stuff on rainy street, she's got something called La Sirena, um, like a mermaid, I think in Spanish. And just, she's so, you can tell she's a chef, you know, like her, like her signature dish on the Sirena, menu is a crab quesadilla with scallions and it's ridiculous so i mean she cares she we talk extensively her and i about like how she doesn't like to fry fish because it takes away from the flavor and you know she's very from the kind of valley but also the valley that means like south texas for us down here it's mr seattle guy um um and uh you know seafood's important to her um, so I'm definitely excited. I, I think she's been testing three different coffees and, um, to see what's going to be a good cold brew. And I think she's going to be adding some sort of cinnamon or something like cajeta. I don't know. All sorts of interesting kind of, um, I wouldn't want to call it bougie, but like true proper interior Mexican stuff, you know, not just some regular Tex-Mex chips and queso type thing. This is going to be in, well thought out. You know, if she wants a, a sous chef, I'm down to right. I'm down to learn. She's outside, man. After our podcast, we're gonna, we'll go check her out. Awesome. No, cool. Well, I wanted to ask about your nutrition. What mm. have you kind of experimented with, and where are you at now with all that? Mm. That's a good question. Um, like one thing that I did a few few years ago, I think it was four or five years ago, kind of around the yoga. Um, and uh martial arts thing was i i went and did a nutrition class like it was a woman named christmas abbott she's kind of a famous instagrammer or whatnot and she had a badass body diet book and i i paid a couple hundred bucks to sit down and have someone talk to us about nutrition and like and i'm a big advocate about spending your money on improving your life not on shit that's not going to do anything but distract you ultimately so i was it was a big thing for me to spend a couple of hundred bucks. I was making more money back then too, but it was just a big thing for me to spend money on myself and my education. So her thing was kind of pseudo paleo cause she owns a CrossFit gym. And, uh, also it was, it helped, um, kind of work out macros a little easier for you. Cause it just broke things into blocks, I guess. So I was allowed to have 18 blocks of protein for example and there's a couple diets i think that's talk similarly to that so that helped me kind of become more of an intuitive eater i think because i was measuring for months if not 
oh, um, maybe the first year or something. Um, so that kind of got me pretty paleo. Um, I went and tried keto for six months and that was exciting and fun for a while. Like, um, and so at least I know what it is. I even got the little ketone strips and was peeing on them, making sure I was in ketosis. And I, you know, when I set my mind on something, I'm pretty good at it. So like most people have a hard time doing 25 grams or less of carbs and they don't fully grasp what that means. And therefore I don't think they're doing real ketosis. Most likely they're just low carb, low carbon. I, I was I, for six months straight. I had a pack of bacon every day in the morning, like a pack <laughs> of bacon every day. And it was like so fun in the long run. And, oh yeah. And rewarding kind of, I was making so much freaking extra bacon grease. I didn't even know what to do, you know, but I can cook bacon like a mofo now. And I was like putting whipped cream instead of milk for my coffee and stuff like that. It was and a party. I got into ghee when I was, you know, when I was doing that stuff and it was fun. Um, and luckily I did blood work before and after, and I didn't gain a pound the entire time, 175 the whole time. And everything went down. My LDLs, HDLs, triglycerides all went down eating a pound of bacon. Like, so I felt good about the fact that, Hey, I'm like, I guess I did trick my body into, or sorry, train my body into burning fat. It must, it must've worked. Cause I, again, I didn't gain pounds and I luckily did blood work. So that was a fun experiment. Um, I've done three master cleanses in my life, like the, the terrible lemon cayenne, um, water mix or whatever for 10 days straight. And like what no one talks about when you talk about master cleanse is the salt water flush every morning, which is 32 ounces of lukewarm water with two tablespoons of salt, which effectively runs through you. And you're supposed to do, um, what's that disgusting tea that makes you poo? Oh, I don't know. Um, ease something, something ease, smoothies or something like that. I don't like it. The flavor is terrible. So you'd take that at night and then do the salt water flush and then just knock those. So I've done that three times. And again, I, I probably just for control. Quite honestly, I was a couple times was for breaking up with girls that hurt me, hurt me, <laughs> hurt me greatly. So I was like, I'm going to punish myself with this. So, you know, I've had a tenuous relationship with those type of things. And presently, um, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a long, long time. I'm even kind of maybe pulling out of that now because I've been doing that for about two years and just enjoy what that gives me. Like I have no blood sugar issues that, you know, I don't get cravings for food in the morning. I'm able to be like highly productive. I just, I don't think about breakfast or lunch and then two or so comes and then I start thinking about eating and then dinner or whatnot. Um, I'm a big, like, researcher of candida and yeast and fungus, and I think I'm a little sensitive to that stuff. So, um, you know, most recently I was doing some podcast research, um, and apparently starvation is a trigger for your healthy yeast to convert into less healthy fungus, because they're one and the same, basically. Yeast is fungus and vice versa, but perhaps the yeast form is... Um, helpful in that fermentation of our food to help break it down and eat it. And then the fungus is what ends up showing up as athlete's foot for some people or yeast infection for some people, um, uh, oral thrush, like all sorts of other weird things. So I've been thinking about that recently, 
trying to maybe not starve myself all day and and just low sugar, low carb. Uh, I don't drink alcohol. Um, I haven't in years. It was basically uh, when I was traveling a lot, I would just say no alcohol in Austin. And that was my, my first year. So when I traveled, I could still maybe have a glass of wine or this or that. And then that just was so good for me that I just kept doing that. And like a couple years ago, I just said no red meat in Austin. And again, like when I travel, I can still enjoy things or whatever. And then it's found that less and less needing it of all. Um, I'll still have a, like a drink as a celebratory thing for a friend, but I don't seek out or buy alcohol anymore. Um, I tried to go lower on red meat. Uh, definitely don't eat too much pig anymore. Um, I don't mind me some grass fed beef or whatever here and there. It's just all like a question of sustainability for me at this point. Like, like, a lot of it's for environmental reasons in the long run, like either body reasons or environmental reasons is what I tell myself. I mean, I catch myself doing things like almond milk or whatever. That's not very environmental. I think, I think booze is the the biggest waste of resources that we could potentially be doing because it does nothing and it wastes all that water. And then you got to fertilize and then you got to bug spray and, uh, think of all the hops and corn and wheat and all of the grapes and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do know, you. but I, I, I have to say, I don't know to LOL it all the way, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> people are going to think I'm crazy, but it just isn't. Yeah. And then the downstream bent or downstream harm of alcohol, whether it's, uh, liver, heart, diabetes all that kind of stuff or dwis and legal costs it's just like it's like the most toxic substance in the world and that's hard to do against things like oil (laughs) or stuff like that it's just toxic so i'm I'm super glad to be around people that are in recovery and that don't need to drink anymore to have a good time and that i think they like to hang out with me because it's that's just not a primary way for me to to party anymore and uh i did it all i got out of my system um one of my rhetoric things recently is how long do you think your organs are going to be able to filter all this poison that you're throwing at it i mean it can it's supposed to your filter you know they're supposed to if you eat a berry you're going to poo or whatever that you weren't you weren't supposed to eat but you're not supposed to eat this much sugar and you're not supposed to eat drink this much poison alcohol how long do you think your organs are going to be able to put up with that? That's my like. Yeah, booze is an easy way to improve your health by just cutting it out. Huh. Big time. Yeah. Soda, coffee, even if you want to get into it. Yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners <laughs> on what you've learned through living out lifestyle of trying to be healthier, be happier that you want to impart wisdom upon them. Wow. It's kind of on the spot. Um, I think we definitely on the spot. (laughs) We we definitely covered a lot. Like, you know, I'm 42 now. Give a sticky note to the audience. Yeah. Right. Like if you don't think about longevity and sustainability in your life, you most likely will have an, uncomfortable time sooner than later 
and you're not going to get to choose that time because you're not making choices based on longevity and sustainability today. What we do today affects us tomorrow. And those are some sticky notes for sure in there. And um, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I I don't ever want to like be that guy with my you know, 25 year old model friend or whatever and say, Hey, you shouldn't go party and stuff anymore. Like I did, you know, I made it out. Luckily no DWIs, no hugely long lasting ramifications from like my party days or whatnot, but it's just not worth it. Like if anything, spend your money from booze into therapy and then you won't need either eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, you'll be in a much better spot later in life. Uh, if you can stop, yeah. If you can stop coping with negative, painful things, you will, you know, you will just find joy and longevity. And I don't think people. I know they don't. It's probably because people don't do anything for five years in a row, type thing. Back to the thing, they haven't experienced change because people don't stick into something long enough. Ultimately. And so, you know, try to do something the same every day. That's what yoga teaches us. And, you know, like when I graduated from there, they gave us like a thing we're supposed to do every day. I did it for a year or so and it helps for certain things. But um, sticky note is uh, you can't spell ritual without rut. R-U-T, you know, like you're going to get into a rut eventually with whatever you think is trying to help you whether it's a coping mechanism or even like a good thing even like a i'm gonna meditate every day for five minutes in the morning and then the one day you miss that meditation you're gonna have a bad day and then you're gonna blame it because you missed the meditation and not because you aren't ready to handle the bad day yet there's a lot of lessons i and takeaways there my friend (laughs) a lot I think the number one is spend your money on therapy, not booze. Yeah. <laughs> Do that and call us in five years. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. That was super fun. We could probably talk for another three hours, but uh. we've got to wrap it up. Uh, so thanks so much for being on. Cheers, man. Cheers.